So I'm standing outside our little cabin in uh, Ely, Minnesota. I've decided to trade birds chirping in the background for uh, kids' uh, Saturday morning squeals. This conversation that I'm going to be sharing with you is, is a really special one. Uh, I chat with Tamara Hills and Jess Lyons, two senior executives at the Brooks Running Shoe Company. I met Jess and Tamara a few months ago at an event that was hosted by the Acquired Podcast out in Seattle. Uh, you might recall that David Rosenthal, co-host of Acquired, was was the first guest that we had on this podcast project. So in conjunction with the Acquired Arena show that I was attending, Brooks hosted a, a morning jog that began and ended at their headquarters. Um, after the jog, I was uh, standing around, I bought a pair of shoes, I was eating some donuts, and I wanted to find someone who could talk to me about the story of Brooks. Um, I knew it as uh, what was kind of early 2000s, a, like a little bit of a discount, backwater, forgettable brand owned, owned by uh, Fruit of the Loom. And today, Brooks is the leading running shoe company. They do over a billion dollars of revenue. Uh, it's, a, it's a Berkshire Hathaway company. It's one of the only companies to have been spun out of Berkshire Hathaway. If you're interested in learning more, there's a really good book that the longtime CEO, Jim Weber, just wrote. It's called Running with a Purpose. The conversation that I had with them, it, it pivoted quickly into, into family, into life, into parenting. Uh, Tamara shared with me that her older son, Benton, um, has some special needs. He, um, he has a lot of special needs, actually, more, more, than, more, than, more than most. He was born with a rare genetic disorder called Bainbridge-Roper's syndrome, which um, really limits uh, the, the, uh, the range of activities that Benton can do on his own. Uh, he has a feeding tube. He has a trach in... Um, and I, you know, being the, <laughs> the curious guy that I am, I was asking Tamara, well, do you and your husband get time away from your kids? Do you guys get to go on vacations? You know, what does your life look like with this, with this challenge? And, and with Jess uh, standing there, I, I realized that they've approached this, uh, this challenge in life with optimism and joy. And they started telling me about how they uh, will even push Benton in marathons um, and uh, shared some pictures with me of this of this team of really uh, excited looking uh, friends at, at, at a marathon event. And I've, I've run a few marathons. I know how impactful, how positive, uh, how crazy you can start to feel after running for 26 miles. And so Seeing the pictures of Benton uh, standing up and walking across the finish line under his own power, it, it, it had a really deep impact on me. I think juxtaposing that kind of challenge in life with the joy and optimism and also like very high performing um, career output that uh, Jess and, and Tamara have built together. When I got back to Kansas City, I kept thinking about meeting them. I kept thinking um, that with this podcast project, if, if this is to be a, a journey of exploring partnership, that Tamara and Jess, as best friends, they have one of the neatest partnerships that I've seen. And so when I asked if they'd be open to recording a conversation about their lives as, as, as best friends, about their time working with Brooks, um, and about their support of one another as parents, and specifically Tamara's uh, journey with with a special needs son. Um, I thought it was really beautiful. I was excited to get to do it. 
really honored and and have to say a deep, deep thank you to Jess and Tamara for um, for agreeing to do this. And also a thank you to uh, David Rosenthal and Ben Gilbert. So please enjoy my conversation with Jess Lyons and Tamara Hills. Welcome to Unlimited Partners, a podcast on partnership. I'm your host, Thomas McGannon. I'm an investor on a journey to understand what makes great partnerships. This podcast is my way of recording that process and sharing it. Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's conversation, I need to give a shout out to some of our sponsoring partners. Unlimited Partners is brought to you by Tegas. It's fair to say that I built my technology investing career on the Tegas platform. Since joining as a beta customer back in 2017, I've personally conducted hundreds of primary expert interviews, and I've read or listened to more than 10 times that many using their searchable on-demand transcript database. I simply couldn't imagine making an investment or critical business decision without consulting the knowledge that's captured in their platform. So whether you're a professional investor, corporate development executive, or just someone who's looking for expert insights, Give Tegas a try by visiting tegas.com. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick break to hear from my good friend, Courtney Hope, founder of My Marketplace Builder, a software as a service platform powering many of the next generation marketplace ideas. Let's talk about My Marketplace Builder. One of my favorite parts about working with you and, and researching your business is when I get to listen to your customer conversations. Can you talk about some of the customers that you guys work with? We have anything from crawfish sourcing uh, for restaurants all the way up to 18-wheeler parts to working with companies like Goodwill. And it, it really is the future of the world right now. Exactly how Shopify did it with the e-commerce world where people needed to go through and sell their stuff online. We're doing that with the marketplace spots. There's no limits to how you want to grow your marketplace and how do you want to do it or what your marketplace idea is. So the website is mymarketplacebuilder.com. If you have a marketplace idea, then please go check them out. Thanks so much, Courtney. We'll look forward to hearing more from you later this season. Yeah, I can't wait, Thomas. Thank you. Please enjoy my conversation with Jess Lyons and Tamara Hills. Thank you for doing this. I, um, I've i just had this, like I think, heightened awareness around seeing really cool partnerships. And when I met you guys and we started talking about the marathons that you do, obviously meeting in the context of, of Brooks, which is a company that I've, uh, I do, I love my shoes, by the way. Like they, they really are. The ghosts that I bought, like they're my favorite running shoe I've had in the last 15 years. So super pumped about that. But yeah, I just, I, I loved meeting you guys. I thought this is, this is the conversation that I, I want to have. And, and I've been saying to people like, what if your job was just to stop and pay attention to the best stuff that you come across in your day? It's quickly become a conversation about people. And I've, and I've just kind of fallen in love with the notion of partnership. I've fallen in love with the idea that um, individually, maybe you can go fast, but with a solid partner, you can go far, and and with the right partner, you can you can go far and fast. And so, with that, this project gives me an opportunity to reach out to Jess and Tamara and say, "Hey, like, can we can we talk about who you guys are? Because you seem you seem pretty cool." When you say that you're best friends, like I I really I believed that I, I saw it, and I and I have a best friend, and it's really cool to have that kind of. I have multiple best friends, if I'm honest about it. My wife's my best friend. My first buddy in college is my best friend. And through having those, those relationships, those partnerships, those friendships, I find that 
you know, I still fall down in a whole host of ways, but I'm usually able to get back up a little bit faster with a better attitude. Falling down the next time doesn't hurt as much. I'm not as afraid of it. And it seems like you guys have probably been there in a number of different ways for each other. And I just, I wanted to capture it. I thought, I thought it was really cool. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm honored to have this conversation, um, you know, getting to know you and your program a little bit better, Thomas, but also just to share um, the mic in a few minutes with, with my best friend, because I do think what we get to share together is, is unique, and I don't take one moment of it for granted. It's, it's our story, and I'm sticking to it, and, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. It makes me happy. So Let's just start it off with a good old introduction. Uh, Jess, do you mind if I ask you to introduce yourself first? Yeah, I was, I'm a Texas native. I was born and raised there, ended up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and finished off my schooling there, and my dad was kind of always a runner, and at the time I wasn't a runner. I grew up playing softball and stuff, and, you know, sort of started following in my dad's footsteps of um, of running. Got uh, got a job that took me to, to New York um, with Brooks, kind of uh, living the, the single life in New York, and ended up, there was an event in New York that Tamara was coming to, and we ended up connecting there, but never really realized what it meant. Um, a few months later, I got a job out at the Brooks headquarters um, in Seattle, Washington, um, moved myself out here. Brooks put us next to each other in cubicles. <laughs> I'm not sure if they meant to do that on purpose or not, but that's how we started our friendship. And then it, it turned out she was uh, training for her first marathon, which I had run a few at that time. And she said, hey, do you want to do you want to run? And I said, yes, that's kind of what brought us to to today. But yeah, um, in and out of Brooks, but alongside Tamara for the past 11 years. And Jess, what is it? What do you do at Brooks? Yeah, so I guess my official title is uh, project manager for the office of the CEO, and I pinch myself every day that I get to work next to my best friend and my running buddy, um, and that she gets to be my boss. So I um, really help manage the office of the CEO. I, I um, am on special projects. I help clear the windshield for things coming in, and it's a bit surreal at times, and Tamara and I are two of the most collaborative people <laughs> I think I've ever met. Yeah, we get a lot of stuff done, I'll tell you that. <laughs> It sounds like it. Um, Tamara, do you mind do you mind introducing yourself? Not at all. <clears throat> uh, so like Jess, I am also a Seattle transplant, born and raised in the Midwest, right on the border of Illinois and Iowa in a town called Moline, Illinois. And uh, is Moline one of the quad cities? It sure is, Thomas. I've it spent, is. I've spent a lot of time on the banks of the Mississippi. You know, it's we we lived right on the river, but um, people didn't recreate a ton on the river. Um, we didn't have a boat, so we weren't out there on the water. Um, it is very muddy, and you can't see the bottom. So you know, it is a it's a place that you know I feel grateful for growing up there, and you know, return from time to time. But uh, what was like? Did you have a lot of siblings? Were you an only child? Uh, I have a twin sister, an identical twin sister, and we have an older brother by two years. Uh, my my family split up when we were very young, and so middle class, um, hard workers. So, you know, that's why I say I, I feel fortunate to have grown up there. I had heard of this place called Seattle, so I, you know, came out my senior year of, of college. 
just to check it out, I was in PR, my major was PR, and it was right before the dot-com boom. And so there was this really cool energy about the city, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I just, it was so stunningly beautiful. I just thought, wow, I have to be there. And, you know, my twin sister, she and I were darn near hooked at the hip. She uh, married her high school sweetheart two weeks after college, and three's kind of a crowd in a new marriage. So I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity for me to branch out and try this Seattle thing. And I've just never looked back. I, this is home. I've been here, um, you know, almost three decades now. And Tell me about, uh, so when did you guys first meet? Like, what was what was that encounter like? And, and if you can kind of like yeah. characterize the early days of, of friendship, because I, I feel like once you once you have a really close relationship, you can't imagine anything but getting there is, you know, there's there's a story. There are moments when you kind of see the other person for who they are and you kind of realize like, oh, I, I can build something around around this relationship. Can I take this first, Jess? <laughs> Please do. So I had, as I said, I have an identical twin sister and it's hard to, you'll never be able to replace sort of the connection that you have with an identical twin. But we were suddenly apart for the first time. Out here, most of my relationships were built around whoever my running partners were at the time, because that's what happens. You get a running partner and you talk and you get to know each other very quickly. I had lots of friends, but no true, real deep friends out here um, until Jess came along. And I was, as Jess said a little bit ago, I was uh, hosting a, a big PR event out in New York City. And Jess was working for Brooks at the time, positioned in New York City. So I had asked if she could maybe come help with the event a little bit. I needed extra arms and legs. And so that was the first time we met. You know, I just remember that girl was pretty cool. And man, she hustles. She's, she's a strong, she's a strong worker. No, Brooks did not intentionally put us next, our desks next to each other. <laughs> the cubicle next to me just happened to be open. Um, and, you know, I just happened to be training for a marathon at that time. She just happened to, knowing nothing about any neighborhood in Seattle, she happened to pick a neighborhood that was my tiny little neighborhood. And so uh, of all the places she could live, we also conveniently lived next to each other. So could, could we just fell right into a running, a running pattern. Um, you know, Thomas, you said at the beginning with the right partner, you can run far and fast. And this was the right partner for me. I needed just so much at that time, not just to help me get through marathon training, but I needed somebody like her in my life. And, you know, you're never, it's never too late in life to find that person. And I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't expecting it. And it just came to be. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's how I first met Jess. Yeah. Anytime Tamara said, you want to run? I was like, yes, of course, I want to do something. I knew no one out here um, in Seattle, had no friends other than work acquaintances. And so it really was just this perfectly um, conducive opportunity just to share a lot of time together. So, you know, I, I learned a lot from her during those times, whether it was about being a parent or coming to Seattle or um, Brooks, it was just this opportunity for me to just um, soak up everything that, that she offered um, as a friend. And so just time, time and, and sharing and being vulnerable with each other during that time um, really kind of set the stage, I guess, for, for what this friendship became. 
the hours spent running and just the random shit that comes out of your mouth um, after <laughs> after long periods of just kind of monotony, like that's you you are able in that in that space to just kind of carve down to the to the least filtered like most natural state of a of a person. And a lot of times when when I think about conversations that I've had on long runs, like I get embarrassed because I'm like, oh my gosh, like what was I? what was I saying? Um, but to find the friend that, that you can have that two way road with and want to keep doing it more uh, like that, like that is, that's really, that's really cool. Um, I, I do want to spend, I don't want to go past Brooks though, because I think that, uh, Brooks has, has been on a journey and it's a really cool journey. It's one of the only companies that's been spun out of Berkshire Hathaway and, and, and Jim tells stories about, you know, the conversations with, with he and Warren Buffett talking about what the business could do if it was, if it was a nimble, independent organization. Um, both of you, I think, have had an instrumental role. It absolutely starts with the office of the CEO. Um, I met Jim. He seems like a wonderful guy. The culture that you surround him with and that you guys then emanate through the organization I tend to think that there's there's probably a story here. There's probably something that we should be taking note of. And so would you guys mind just talking a little bit about the, the journey of Brooks? Oh, golly, where to start on that one? Um, <clears throat> <laughs> you know, Jim, Jim joined Brooks in April of 2001. I came in August of 2003. So I haven't been on this ride quite as long as he, but. but yeah, only, only it, 19 been, years. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's definitely been a colorful ride you know for those who have dug into our history and Thomas I know you have and and there's a great book out there that that chronicles our history that you know recently hit bookshelves everywhere oh cool um, I didn't know that I'll, I'll have to drop that in the show notes what's it what's it called and what's what's the story there it's called running with purpose and the, the long title, the long, long form is Running With Purpose, How Brooks Outpaced Goliath Competitors to Lead the Pack. So it does chronicle the story of Brooks, and he wanted to get that story out there. He's so proud of the work that the team has done over the last couple decades. And the focus that the team has had all built around this purpose of inspiring everyone to run their path. And... Uh, but alongside that, he shares a bit of his own personal journey as well and some lessons that he's learned along the way about how to lead and live with purpose. And I am confident in saying no matter who the reader is and what part you're at in your life journey, there is a takeaway in there for you. And there may be several takeaways depending on what's in your windshield. So everywhere books are sold, everywhere books are sold, everywhere books are sold, uh, you can everywhere find books are sold, books are sold. <laughs> I look forward to reading, I'm pulling it up right now, running with purpose. Um, what are the things that really make Brooks a, a special and, and ultimately a successful commercial organization? Wow. I, I mean, it, they, it sounds trite to say it starts at the top, but it really does start at the top. And, and from from the top and throughout the entire organization, this is a very values-based organization. The way we treat each other is paramount. And 
you know, there is a culture, as Jess mentioned, there's a strong culture inside these walls. And, you know, culture is is a living, breathing thing. It never stays the same. It changes every day. It's a, you know, it's an expression of behaviors of a, a collection of people. And, you know, that collection changes as people come and go. And, you know, so culture is ever evolving, but it has stayed consistently in a lane and, you know, we we joke sometimes about saying we, we don't hire jerks. And, you know, we do we do from time to time hire jerks. They make it through the interview process, but they're they don't last long. They sort of self self deselect this brand. It is so important how we treat each other, how we treat our partners, how we treat runners. Uh, and it's all based in this set of values that we have here at Brooks. And teamwork is essential. We work for respect and then we work even harder to make sure that we keep your respect. You know, I I pinch myself every day that I get to be around people that I, I mean, I miss them when I'm on vacation. But the positive energy, we call it, sometimes we call it kinetic joy around here, is powerful. When I joined, Brooks was, mm, it was not, it just, it wasn't a strong brand. We, you know, people would not have missed us if, most people would not have missed us if we disappeared from retail shelves. And so this brand has worked very hard to build great product and put both product and energy into the marketplace that is going to resonate with people and uh, endear them over time to want to wear Brooks as a badge of honor. So there's a, a, a scrappiness, we call it champion heart here, that this team has um, that is really fun to be part of. I don't know if That's you'd really, add anything to that, yeah. Jess, but... Yeah, Jess, what would you... That was beautiful, Tamara. I want to work there. Uh, <laughs> Jess, what, what's... what's and, and, it's, and, and I really do mean, like, I run a lot. Like, I don't know if I shared with you guys how, like, how much I run and walk, but it's at least two hours every single day. So, like, my shoes are a big part of my life, and I really love these shoes that you guys sold me. So... Hearing, hearing uh, about a champion's heart, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm, I'm buying the book, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Jess, what, what, um, what, if anything, would you add to that elongator? Yeah, just, that was great. I, I mean, Tamara nailed it. I think sometimes it's really hard to articulate, explain. Yeah. like to put words into, like when you pour yourself into the brand it is incredible what you get back out of it. Um, you can, there's just, there's people from all walks of life. I think a lot of people assume that everyone who works at Brooks is a runner and that's not the case. Um, maybe back in the day that was, you know, sort of a, um, something that pulled people in, but I think it's changed over time. And I think one of the things that's most beautiful in my eyes is when I see people almost be infected by the energy that runners can bring. Like, Thomas, you're a runner. You know what it's like when you miss a day of run because it, you're just not the same human. And to imagine coming to work with people, with the majority of people who probably launch their day with endorphins or are going to hit those at some point during the day um, or are still on a high from the day before because of a long run or whatnot, it's, it creates 
goodness. It creates positivity. It just overflows in everything we do. And that's not to say that every single day is perfect, right? It's not. But um, there is something very, very special about working here. And I think one of the things when I left um, that I realized is just how special it was. Um, I needed that perspective to really look back and say like, yeah, this doesn't exist. Other specials exist in other organizations, of course, but there is something that um, brings people in and solidifies them to this brand. And, you know, it's, we do, we work hard. There's, there's no lack of work here. That's for sure. I mean, we are always striving to be better. We are always striving to, um, create, um, better running gear for people so that, that they can enjoy what we do on the daily. But, um, it's, I don't, I don't know if we've, we've said run happy on this, like run happy is, is this feeling that you can't run happy means something different to every single person that says it, but there is something in it that um, is almost like this aura to me. It's like this light that pulses and it just comes out of this, this brand. It really, truly does. So when we met a few weeks ago, Tamara, I think you, you and I quickly started talking about, about parenting. Mm-hmm. And um, Tamara, do you mind do you mind kind of introducing your your family and kind of I think that a lot of um, over the last I'd say it this way over the last number of of months um, as my wife and I are trying to figure out like how what kind of a family we want to build we're realizing that our role as parents uh, is dramatically undervalued in a in a broad sense like the the um, the rewards associated for doing really hard, important work are just like kind of uh, miscalibrated to a certain extent. And when I heard about your story and just could, could see into your eyes, your capacity for loving your children and, and Jess being the best friend supporting that, like that for me was really what made me think, wow, this is special. This needs to be captured and discussed. Do you mind introducing kind of your, your, your family, Tamara? Sure. Uh, as Jess mentioned, when, when she and I met, I had two kids. I still only have two, two kids, two boys. Um, today they are 16 and a 12 year old, soon to be 13. You know, my, <laughs> I, I, I like the way you led into this question, by the way, Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, parenting is, one of the most rewarding yet one of the hardest things I think you could choose to do. Um, and I very much chose this path. Uh, my husband and I had trouble conceiving with both of our children. So this was very much um, calibrated. I used to think my mom had it all together. Like, wow, she is, she's really good at this. And now I realize she just faked it every day. Not that she was a terrible mom. I don't mean to suggest that, but, um, I, it really opened my eyes to how hard it is to be a good parent, the kind of parent I wanted to be. My 16 year old Benton, he, he's a unique young man and he has some pretty significant um, disabilities. He has a very rare syndrome called Bainbridge-Roper's syndrome. And, you know, this is not something I'd ever seen in my family. In fact, when he was diagnosed at age eight, he was the 
sixth person in the world to get the diagnosis. So when I say rare, I mean very rare, extremely rare. Um, Tamara, my youngest, what, was, what was your journey? I mean, at eight, I thought you were going to say like eight days. What was your journey like for that first, I mean, eight years? My oldest is eight years old. To think about you having gone through that period without any real name or clarity or understanding on, on what it was that you were facing, what was that like? Huh. The, um, well, we knew there was something awry in utero, so um, we didn't, the doctors didn't think he would actually make it to term. So the fact that I delivered uh, a baby was, was a blessing, a huge, a, a, an incredible gift in and of itself. Uh, and then from, from day one out of utero, the, it was, he was challenged. And so a doctor looked at me when I was in the hospital the first couple days of Benton's life and said, you're going to have to advocate. And at the time, I didn't really know what that meant. And I was angry and scared. And I thought, isn't that your job? Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is my first kid. I don't even know how to raise a healthy baby. And here I am dealing with a child who's, you know, failure to thrive. And, and you're telling me that it's my job. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm exhausted and I'm scared. And, um, but I quickly learned that that was a hundred percent my job and began to fight. And, you know, not having an answer. I'm, I'm not, I'm, it's funny, you know, in my job, I can deal with ambiguity and change pretty well. But in my personal life where I feel like I should be in control of everything, that wasn't, that was a skill that I lacked. And so I struggled initially not having a diagnosis and trying, you know, to figure out what am I supposed to do? Is is he even going to live? And then, you know, there was a moment and I remember this moment distinctly when he was maybe two years old and I said, you know, I need to let go, like not, not let go of the fight for my son, but let go of my anger and frustration over not having an answer. And because that energy wasn't helping anyone. It certainly wasn't helping my son. It wasn't helping me. And so I had to just let go and say, well, we may never have a diagnosis. In fact, let's just assume we won't ever. And then that way I was able to let go of that weight and then let Benton write his own script. You know, not having a diagnosis was, was great because then no one can tell you what your prognosis is. And I was terrified of somebody telling me that the prognosis for my child was that he was going to, you know, not make it to age 10 or, or I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to know what they had to say. Cause if I didn't have that, then I can make up a whatever future I wanted for him in my head and then let him write his story, you know, page by page, day by day. When I met Jess, Benton was six, maybe four, five, five or six. Um, yeah. One of the first things uh, I learned about Jess, I mean, Jess said she learned things from me. I learned a lot from her as well, just in terms of how she approaches life and, you know, one of her, one of her internal mottos is be like water. And I held on to that phrase. I, I mean, I, I don't even think I've 
told you this, Jess, before, but <laughs> I, I, I hold on to that phrase a lot. Whatever the flow is that day, just be there, be present, and be be the best you can. And in terms of you know, approaching Benton's life and what, you know, I just need to be like water. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about, is he going to go to be able to go to college? Is he ever going to walk? Is he ever going to talk? Um, just be like water, be present and, um, and be there for him. You know, that medical field, there, there are innovations and, and progress in the medical field all the time. And there was a new genetic test that came onto the market and, you know, they approached us and asked if they could, could give this test to Benton. And he'd had several genetic tests over time and it never produced anything. And so, we just kind of assumed this one would would fall out the same way, and so, but we said, yeah, go ahead. And uh, this this it was a hit for Bainbridge-Roper syndrome. Uh, and again, he was eight years old at this time, but um, the syndrome had had just been discovered or or cataloged, if you will, by the medical community about sixteen months prior. So, you know, he was truly one of the first people in the world not to have Bainbridge-Ropers, but to actually be diagnosed with it. And at the time, he was the oldest, so all of a sudden, all the eyes were on me, or my son, rather, uh, to have a sense for how their children might develop over time. And what a, well, and then I have my youngest. My youngest is, yeah. like I said, how he's, did, he's I mean, 12 that, that, going on 13. <laughs> how, did you, how did you guys find the, the bandwidth, the courage the optimism to have another child. How, how did you decide to sign up for this again? And, and how has it been managing a family with just such vastly different people in it? Yeah. I, well, I was terrified to have another child, but I also really, really wanted another child. And it, it sounds somewhat dark, Thomas, but my husband and I looked at each other in the eye and one day and said, we're not going to be here forever. And our son is going to need somebody to advocate for him. And, you know, think what you may about this strategy, but, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that Benton had a sibling. And if that sibling chose to be part of Benton's life and a strong advocate for him, wonderful. If that sibling chose not to, you know, that's that sibling's choice. But we we wanted to try and set up a future for Benton, for someone to be there and help him when my husband and I are no longer living on this earth. So we, you know, launched into another, you know, round of fertility and got our second son. And he's just awesome. And he's Already, I mean, from day from day one, he's been connected to Benton, and um, you know, he is now bigger than than Benton is. He's taller and heavier, and he, even though he's almost four years younger, and he's uh, very much in love with his brother. He's very much a protector, um, and you know, the way that he sees the world is really really beautiful, and. You know, just just a short story. We were at a park when Benton was probably, I don't know, nine and Iron was five or maybe it was four and eight. I don't know. But the boys were pretty young. And 
there was another girl on the playground, and you know, kids say the darndest thing, it's okay. Uh, but this girl stops in the middle of playing and uh, just like stops in her tracks and looks at Benton and says, oh my gosh, what is he, a zombie? And Iron, little brother, just, you know, without even skipping a beat, looks at her and says, oh, he's my brother. And, you know, from that day forward, I knew, I knew that we were, this is going to be good. This is, this, this little dude is going to, you know, stand up and support his brother forever. That's, that's beautiful. I mean, that, that is, um, when I think about our kids' relationship with each other, um, like, I think that, that's what makes me as a, as a father most proud when I see, uh, that, that sense of, of solidarity and friendship and, um, and deriving meaning from something outside of yourself when it, when it's, when it's something in a, in a, in a family or a friendship. Um, I just, I think that like, I'm trying to teach our, we're, we are trying to teach our kids to be the best people that, that, that they can be. We're also on our own journey trying to do that. And so giving, giving somebody out of the womb, the, almost like the, like he, he had a job, he had, he had an employer of, of like identity and, 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 um, commi- committing himself to something else. Like I just, that is, that is beautiful. So, so Jess, like you, you saw all of this and you're just like, holy shit, this is the coolest family doing the most real stuff. Like I just, I have to sign up for this, right? Like, like as, and it's what's, it's what's drawn me to you guys just thinking about the, the courage and the consistent optimism that goes into that. But, but Jess, as, as somebody who's a, who's a best friend to this type of journey, like what's, what's your experience been? I mean, outside of work, I'm Aunt Jess or Aunt Stars um, to, to Tamara's kids and her stars. And, and this is Auntie Tam. So like for me, it's just, it's family. It, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, one thing about uh, Tamara and, and her husband is that they've created like this beautiful life for their kids and they um, bring Benton along to everything. Like we, we travel together as, as, um, as dual families and there's another family that goes with us on a vacation every year. And so you get to see it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always been so interesting to me that like, as a parent of one child, it's hard enough on me <laughs> to, to be a parent. And so to be able to watch um, Tamara and her husband and her family do as much as they do with two kids and one of them being Benton, like it, it is, it's, I'm often in awe of, of everything that they, they do as a family and um, how, how normal it can be. And, and Benton's like, he's such a, he's so funny. He's such a sweet boy, but like to see him grow since he was five, um, he's gone through a lot. He's just developed so much. He, I mean, Tamara could get into this, but you know, when I, when I met him, he, he had a long way to go and he has come a long way, um, as a young man. And, um, the way he communicates is so sweet and beautiful and, um, it's, I don't know, it's special to be around. 
he's a cool human. <laughs> and so is Iron. Like they just, they really are. They're, they're little people with their own personalities. And, you know, Tamara said it, it's, it's a different kind of love to, to watch Iron support and advocate for, for his brother. Um, you know, and I love that my son gets to be exposed to it as well. Just, yeah. What's your son's name? And how old is he? Uh, his name is Hudson and he's five. Um, as he likes to tell me, he's five and three quarters. <laughs> so he'll be six very, very soon, a kindergartner right now. Uh, this is something that I'm learning as a 37 year old man, but like we are the company that we keep, like, uh, like you are kind of the average of the X number of people around you. And so for, for Hudson to get to kind of plug into this, um, older brother network, um, is really cool. Like I, I think he will be a demonstrably, uh, cooler human as a result of seeing iron and Benton and, 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 you know, I think also like just the notion of a family of choice, um, is a real, is a, <laughs> those are real families. Those are real, those are real relationships that, that, um, that also, um, you know, have, have just as much of a defining impact on, on who you are. Um, and, and and so you guys live 35 miles away running is, and I'd love to talk about this last weekend, but can you talk about just the, the, the ritual of running? Because I think that even now, and maybe especially now you guys make it a point to run with each other. A lot of times it's very early in the morning. Um, if you could just kind of talk about, uh, like, yeah, how do you continue to, to integrate this thing that you both love in a, in a shared way? And then I'd, I'd love to talk about, um, the marathon this last weekend here, hear how that went, but also kind of the broader, the broader story for how that, how that came to be. How do we bring running into, I don't think it's even an option. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we work together. I mean, even when I wasn't at Brooks, I mean, we, we made it a point to, you know, continue. And so oftentimes we're meeting at five thirty in the morning, sometimes, you know, a little bit later, sometimes a little bit earlier, but it's just, it's part of who we are. It's part of our friendship. It's part of our commitment to one another. I mean, we joke about this, but we don't joke about it. I mean, in, um, let's see, 11 years of running. I slept in once and I'll never live it down because we were supposed to run 15 miles that morning. And I spent 12 miles trying to figure out which way did she go? And could I find her on the course? when <laughs> I finally realized I was late. <laughs> and then, um, and, and I think Tamara has not shown up once for, for really good reason. Like it's, we are just, we're committed to it. And, um, it's and so where, where do you, like, what's special. the, what's the ritual? Where do you guys have a spot that you meet? Do you, do you run, uh, a certain number of, of days a week? We tend to run, um, definitely Mondays or Tuesdays together. And since we work here, like we just, we meet here, we run and then Brooks has showers so we can just get ready and, and go to work and thank heavens. We have wonderful husbands and families that support our habit. Um, and then, um, we, we run with a, another small group on a Wednesday mornings, um, before uh, November project Seattle, which we're, we're both members of. And then, um, typically on the weekends we're we're out for a long run at some point. So we, we, we run, I'd say at least three times a week, sometimes if we're lucky four. Mm-hmm. With running, like for for me, like I actually grew up like a really overweight kid, so I was I was very self conscious about about endurance sports, and it was when I was in in high school that I, I started to run, and now it's like as deep as anything woven into to my being, and I I've, I think I've learned a lot from running. I mean, it, it's it's about showing up every day, um, it's about creating that space to I mean, r- really like 
riffing on the, the notion that like if you're not good for yourself, you're not good for anybody. For me, like running, running gives that space, that time in, in, in my life. I want, I want as much as I can with, with these conversations to walk away feeling like as much as I can, like I get it. Like I, I understand like where that, that power comes from in a person and, and, and how they like identify it and then try to grow it over time. And then also like when, when possible in friendship or just broadly share it. So I, I just, I just, um, I, I know that after this conversation, if I didn't ask a question like this, I would, uh, I would regret it. There are some things I've learned later in my life that I wish I would have been aware of earlier on, but you know, I, I think over the last decade or so, I've just become more and more aware of, and, and, and Benton has been an inspiration for this too, just helping me see the world differently. But, um, you know, I, I need to rely on myself for, to make myself happy, to put good energy around me. I have the power and it's also a responsibility. I view it as a responsibility, but I have the power to inject positivity into not just my life, but other people's lives. I also have the power to put negativity around myself um, or into other people's lives. And it is a it is a choice. And I don't mean that to say it's easy. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who are dealing with depression and, and, you know, there are dark places people go and it's not as easy as just saying, well, just, you know, turn 180 and be positive. But I have the opportunity every day to make a choice about how I'm going to view the world. If I'm going to be, you know, take a positive point of view, or if I'm going to stay in an angry place. Um, and I have the power to, to also, affect other people's lives and why would I choose to put negativity in their lives? So, um, you know, running for me, just in the connection with running, that has always been a place of positivity. And this is not something that came from my youth. This is not something that I was ever, that I ever witnessed in my relationships growing up. And so it's something that I've learned over time and hopefully I'm carrying forward positive energy and, and gratefulness for the blessings around me and the fact that I have two legs that can get up and move. I, you know, I'm going to say it again. I have no idea if I just answered the question you threw out. You absolutely the answered the question. That's exactly what I'm looking for in my, in my, uh, life journey here. Was it, um, and I, and I, and so much of what you said resonates, um, was there a was there a was there a moment in time was or, or is it just was there a catalyst or has it just been this kind of slow compounding effect of you you realizing the the, the choice that is optimism and then the responsibility to, to to make that decision? It's been a it's been a bit of growth over time, but there was one moment, and it's kind of a silly moment, but <laughs> I remember distinctly, I was in line at a grocery store. This was, I don't know, maybe eight years or so ago. And I was in line at the grocery store and I was, it had been a tough, stressful day. And I was carrying that energy with me and uh, whatever I was looking for in the grocery store in this few seconds I had in my busy day, um, 
wasn't on the shelf and the person who was helping me check check out my groceries, he said, did you find everything you needed? And instead of smiling and saying, no, not this time, but it'll be fine. I'm sure you'll have it next time. I chose the opposite, unfortunately, that day. And I barked at him and spewed all of my negative energy onto him. I walked out of there and I sat in my car and I thought, why did I just do that? I just, I just ruined that gentleman's day or maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but I certainly didn't, I certainly didn't improve it. It wasn't his fault the item wasn't on the grocery store shelf or any of the other things that had caused me stress that day. None of that's his fault. And he's a person, he has a life. And what is that going to do for the rest of his day? What chain reaction did I just ignite? Uh, It was in that moment where I said, okay, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to try and be more um, aware of, like I said, it's a power and a responsibility um, that I feel that I have to, you know, either try to improve or not someone's day. So let's try and choose the improve um, lever as much as I can. I, I And I think that that's beautiful because you, you took a negative experience and you identified the power that you have. And, and I think it's oftentimes, uh, and I don't want to be nihilistic about it, but like only through some of the negative stuff that we can have the, like it, it hits us in a way that, that positive things sometimes don't. It's durable. I also have a silly story. I was skiing um, in Jackson Hole, a beautiful place this last winter. And as I was walking out to the car, I slipped and fell and I just, I nailed my tailbone. Like I knew that I'm not going to sleep well tonight. Like this is going to suck. But also in that split second, I knew I'm not breaking my hip. I'm still going to get to drink beer tonight. Like I'm still doing what I enjoy in life. And so, yeah, like this is an inconvenience. I'm going to have a bruise. I'm not going to be able to run tomorrow but there are going to be bad days in my life and damn it, this isn't one of them. And so celebrate it, even if you have a bruised tailbone. Uh, and, and, and for me, once I felt that I could, I could harness that reaction, a positive reaction to a negative event at that point, like I felt like I was the wealthiest person in the world because I knew that like, if I could sustain that nothing could touch me just like, um, your friend's awesome, by the way, uh, and you're and you're pretty <laughs> darn sure cool. Is. How how do you how how like do you guys talk about this? Do you do you discuss what it means to 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 answer the call for positivity? Yes. Well, first of all, Tamara is an amazing person, and she sheds positivity all the time on me, on others. I mean, it's it's just who she is. It's interesting. This is probably the first time I've overanalyzed our friendship. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. <laughs> this weekend was a really important weekend in your guys' year. It was something that we talked about running marathons, but with a real, real purpose. Benton had a had a huge weekend. How did it go? I don't know how many marathons you guys have done with him mm-hmm. now, but like what what that's meant to your friendship, and then and then importantly the community that you build around your friendship. I think you said there were something like fifty people participating here. What what a cool way to invite people into your lives. Yes, this weekend we completed, Benton completed his eighth marathon and uh, we did it, you know, here in Seattle. The um, first time we did a marathon, Dennis and I, uh, my husband and I have been runners for, 
you know, our all our adult lives. And when we had children, we thought, oh, someday we'll share this experience with them as well. And uh, but then when we had Benton, and we thought, well, gosh, maybe we could. Maybe we could push him in a marathon one day. The funny thing is, I'd never run a marathon. Neither had my husband. So I, you know, it was just one of these these pie in the sky ideas. Then we met this gentleman who has an effort he calls marathons with meaning. I tell you, everything in life happens for a reason. I am very much a believer in that, and I was meant to meet this man. He called me a couple days later and said hey, I'm running the Seattle Marathon next weekend, and I'd like to push your son. What do you think? And I, I, my son has a trach. He has an artificial airway. And so I cannot just give my son over to someone who does not have proper training in artificial airway. And he's also tube-fed and, and, you know, diapered and the like. And it's, um, those, are, those are things that are less... Um, risky to have others care for, but an artificial airway you don't mess around with. And so I, um, <laughs> I hung up the phone. I, my husband was out of town. I thought, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't, I, I have to talk it over with him. And I hung up the phone and I couldn't get a hold of my husband. He was, um, uh, in the middle of a work day out there. And of course I called Jess next and I said, you wouldn't believe it. This guy just called and he's, he wants to push push Benton in a marathon next weekend. And you know what that means? Like, I can't let him do it unless I run right next to him. I have to be next to him the whole time. And I, Dennis is going to think I'm crazy. And Jess said, I'm in. And so I said, okay, um, well, and, and we've been running maybe four days a week, four miles a shot at that time. So we had, I mean, we just, we had a base going, but it was just maintenance. It was just maintenance running we were doing essentially at that time. Anyway, the following weekend, Jess and Dennis and Benton and I showed up um, to meet a man that we had never met in person before. And we pushed Benton to his first marathon finish in 19 degree weather that day. <laughs> uh, and it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. So uh, that inspired us to do it again and again and again. And, you know, we just gather anybody who wants to come and be a part of it. And, you know, Benton always walks the final steps on his own power. So we do get him out of the jogger stroller at the end and give him a walker. And with the help of orthotics, he does walk the final steps over the finish line, which is just a really lovely way to end the journey. Uh, so that was number eight this past weekend. Throughout this whole conversation, Tamara and, and Jess, like, I, did, I don't know how you guys, <laughs> like I tear up hearing, hearing like <laughs> all of your stories. I, 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 I want to come run one of these with you guys. I think it sounds super, super cool. Um, but man, yeah. How, how, how awesome. Are there any other stories or dynamics of, of your friendship or, or what's important to, to you guys as as best buddies that, that we should capture? You're like, Thomas, I got to get back to my work day. <laughs> but one of the things that I think makes our friendship powerful, and I'm just sitting here thinking about it in the moment, like Jess, I've never dissected this, is, you know, the best running partner, I mean, let's just assume the running partner uh, shows up when they say they're going to show up. They're consistently there for you. Like check, check all those boxes. Great talker, great conversationalist, all those boxes. 
Jess and I have, have said over the years that our part of what we love about our running relationship or running together is that we never really know who's pushing whom. And uh, oftentimes, like, oh, my gosh, I was trying so hard to keep up with you. And she'll say, what are you talking about? I was trying hard to keep up with you. And uh, so we've oftentimes acknowledged that dynamic in our, in our running relationship. I think maybe just the same could be said for our friendship. And there are times, I mean, I, I, I aspire to be more like Jess all the time. And I, I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to put words in my mouth that she aspires to be more like me, but I do There's think There's a reason there, you're my boss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to surround myself with people who make me better and just definitely makes me better. There's so much about her. So maybe we just know inherently that we make each other better. I don't know, but it, it, I, I, some, I somehow look at our friendship dynamic in the way that I do our running dynamic, where uh, we're never really quite sure who's pushing whom, but we make each other better in the process. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really beautiful way to put it. I mean, in in ten plus years of being friends with Tamara, eleven plus years, like we don't have drama. Like we we just Thomas, you said it. Like we flow. And I think when you find people that you flow with, like hold them tight <laughs> and and keep like um, now you're going to make me get emotional, <laughs> like make them like allow them to make you better. Listen to them, learn from them and challenge each other just to like show up and say yes. And it's one of the things that Tamara's done over and over again. She says yes. And it like lights me up this human wants to be on this journey with me and that she continues to just be part of like our life and it just continues to go like back and forth back and forth back and forth and we we push each other we get better along the way and there aren't that many people in life that will continue to show up in that way so yeah yeah thank you jess <laughs> That's amazing, you guys. Yeah, I uh, I didn't uh, I I I was gonna turn my camera on now, but um, I, I kept it off because I in part because I just finished an exercise, but also because I I knew I'd be tearing up during this, and I just didn't want to have to like deal with that. <laughs> deal with that. Um, uh, and you got me, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. It's a beautiful relationship. I think you guys are really cool. I think you've discovered something that I want to see more of in the world like congratulations on on building a, a great friendship and marrying <laughs> that with your 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 careers and your um your families i think i think it's really cool so thank you guys so much for doing this i mean it when i say like i'm i i have to come and run one of these marathons with you guys it's really important to me so um, maybe do. 2023 will make make that happen. I'd love love to be be one of the crew. We'd Please love to come. have you with us. Thank you for letting us uh, share a little bit with you today. It's it's been an absolute honor. I I appreciate it and uh, look forward to. Uh, you know what what's going to happen right now? That's just so freaking fitting. I'm going to go take our younger two kids our three-year-old and one-year-old, pop them in the stroller, throw on my new Brooks Ghosts and go for a run with this in my tank. Like, 
I'm going to be setting some PRs. Awesome. <laughs> uh, We're happy. I will. Yes. I will. Uh, no other option. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an Unlimited Partners production. The show is edited and produced by Andrew Thomas, and our music was composed by Nick Samaska. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next week.